Amen. Good morning. My name is Ken, and I'm the location pastor here in West Bridgewater, and I'm glad that you're here today. I want to start off by reading a story, and, and this is a story that you might identify with. I know that I do, uh, but her name's Jill, and Jill is exhausted between the demands of her job and the two kids uh, and their activities, uh, keeping up the house. She feels overwhelmed, and she's drowning in stress. All she wants is a little bit of peace and quiet in her life at the end of each day. So she's tried the noise-canceling headphones. How many of you have, you have those? Okay. Uh, she's tried that. Uh, she's locked herself in the bathroom. I've not done that. Maybe I should try that. Uh, she scrolls through her phone on TikTok, Facebook, just trying to numb her mind. But she feels that she has no rest. She has no peace. And I share that story because I think we're all looking for peace in our lives. We all want, we want, we want, we want peace. But it seems like the harder we pursue peace, it's like that slippery thing that just it goes right through our fingers. And, and we live in this world of chaos. You turn on the TV and there's no peace. Uh, it actually causes more stress and anxiety as, as you watch the news. Maybe you're here today and, and there's a relationship that there's just no peace. Maybe it's with a spouse or uh, a child or a, a neighbor, relative, family member, um, mom or dad. And, and you're just like, there's just no, there's no peace. We would just settle for peace and quiet at times. Just like go into the bathroom and lock the doors and please just let, let me do my business without interruption. But we live in this world that doesn't offer peace. But what if peace was not the absence of noise and chaos and distractions, but what if real peace, lasting peace, came from somewhere completely different? Like, we'll, we'll block people thinking, like, if I just get the negative people out of my life, I'll have peace. Or if I can invite people into my life that have more peace in their life, I'll experience peace. But what if peace comes from a, a completely different place? I think we all know what it feels like to not have peace. More stress, more anxiety, uh, more physical and spiritual and emotional being just being tired. Uh, those who are following Jesus, we miss out on our purpose that God has created for us. And it's just, it's just very difficult. So today we're talking about peace. We're looking at Jesus teaching in the upside down kingdom of what it looks like for peace. And where does this peace come from? And, and, and what will it do in our lives? So Jesus is saying those that experience, whether we're talking about peace or humility or justice, he says all these people that experience this, they experience blessings. And we said the, the blessed life is those who experience security, those who experience satisfaction, joy, fulfillment, and happiness. But it only comes as we yield ourselves and we live in this sort of upside down, countercultural life uh, that Jesus offers. So we're looking at peace. So in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse number 9, Jesus talks about what does it look like. God blesses those who work for peace, for they shall be called the children of God. So he starts off by saying that God blesses those, notice it doesn't say who are peaceful. He says, those who work for peace. God is saying that you've got to do something in order to experience peace. You've probably seen, um, uh, you know, people working for peace. And you're like, well, when you say peace, what are we talking about? 
Because my definition of peace and your definition of peace could be different. So I found this short video by the Bible Project. They define what biblical peace looks like. So watch this video real quick. It's probably a definition that you weren't thinking of when you thought of peace. Most of the time, we think of peace is when uh, other things around us are the way that we want them. When my relationships are healthy or the people who are not healthy are not in my life anymore, then, then I have peace. And Jesus is saying, no, peace is actually about having wholeness in the midst of chaos. So we're looking at this peace. And uh, how, do you, how do you work for peace? It's not passive. It doesn't just happen magically. How, how does this happen? And so there's this process that sometimes is painful to achieve peace in your relationships and in your world. And uh, Paul writes it this way in Philippians chapter 4. He says, don't worry or don't be anxious about anything. So I'm just going to stop and say, right now, what are you anxious about? What relationships or situation uh, brings anxiety or stress or uneasiness or is ruining your peace. He says part of the process is praying about everything instead of worrying about it. Tell God what you need and then thank him. A thankful heart, gratitude is part of the process of restoring peace. He says then, once you've prayed about it, once you're grateful for what God has given to you, then you will experience peace that goes beyond. It exceeds your understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So peace is not the absence of conflict or, or unhealthy people in our lives or when just people leave you alone. When your in-laws stop coming over unannounced or when your kids stop acting like animals, right? Or you're able to find a few minutes in the bathroom and everyone's just leaving you alone. That is the world's peace. That's what the world can offer. The world offers temporary peace. So the world does offer a type of peace, but it's temporary. And everything in your world has to be in the right place for you to experience peace. So uh, this summer, my wife and I went on vacation. We went up to North Conway, and uh, it was peaceful because it was just me and her. You know, our kids didn't come. And so uh, one particular day, we went down to this stream, uh, and, and we're sitting there. has a little bit of a beach area, so there's sand there. We laid on our blankets. We put down our chairs, and we're just sitting there. And for hours, not like minutes, for hours, it's just us. There's people across on the other side of the stream, but they're not bothering us. So we have peace. Like, this is nice. We brought our, 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 our lunch, and we're eating lunch, all this, until... This guy comes with this dog. The dog jumps into the river, gets out, and shakes off on our blanket. Not only did we lose peace, we lost our mind. <laughs> like, that's all it took for our peace to be gone like that. Hours of peace, hours of enjoyment, hours of contentment gone like that. And that's what worldly peace, that's what it offers. Like, as soon as you get the news that you have cancer, all peace is gone. Because you can have peace in your relationships, peace with your finances. Like, everything can be good, and then you get that one piece of news that destroys your peace. Because that's what the world offers, because the world is broken. And part of the definition of peace is wholeness. So it can't offer complete wholeness. It gives you a glimpse of, of that. So what does this look like? First, it's peace in me. When we're working for peace, it begins with us. Before you can be an agent of peace, 
you need to be a person of peace. You've probably seen this sign on a, on, you know, a bumper sticker or somewhere plastered on a wall where it says, no God, no peace, and then no God, no peace. And there's some truth to this because God is the one that brings peace. He says it in uh, John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, I'm leaving you a gift. The gift that he's giving is himself. He says, this is peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace that I give you, some translation says, not as the world gives. So the world, again, does give a type of peace, but it's fleeting. It's, not, it's, it's temporary. It's not eternal. He says, so don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. So when Chris, who we prayed for at halftime, called Pastor Sean, uh, he called not just to say, hey, I have stage four cancer, but he actually called Pastor Sean to say, I want you to do my funeral. And Pastor Sean lost it. Like he, they're good friends. Uh, Chris was working on staff with us before he launched the church. So we got to know him really, really well. And he just like, you're such a young man, have a, you have a young family and, and, and you want me to do your funeral. And Sean, so he starts crying and Chris is comforting Sean. Like that's the type of peace that was within Sean, or I'm sorry, within Chris because he had peace with God. And so he could be a person of, of peace. So God comes along and he offers himself as a agent of peace. But sometimes we're at war with God. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says this, since our friendship with God has been restored. So at one point, we didn't have friendship with God. As a matter of fact, he says, you were enemies of God. He says, now we are saved through Jesus Christ. So at some point in our lives, we were enemies and we did not have friendship with the world. We didn't have peace. There wasn't that wholeness. There wasn't that completion. Um, about a year ago, I had a conversation with this lady who started coming to Grace Church and she was raised Muslim. And she's, she's coming to Grace Church. She's hearing about this Prince of Peace. She's hearing about what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus. And she's conflicted in her heart. Like everything she knows about God and things that she's been taught and what she's learning from the Bible, like it's at war. And you can tell she's very uncomfortable, not with Grace Church, but with the idea of God being different than what she thought. And she was asking questions. She thought, if I get my, my questions answered, then I'll have peace. But all it did was create more unrest because it kept showing her where she, she's trying to control this peace. She's trying, to, she's trying to understand her life and she's trying to put things into place. And the more she did that, which is true in our own lives, the more we try to control our situation, the more we try to manipulate and move and do things, it's like we, we create more unrest. It wasn't until she realized I'm fighting against God and the unrest has nothing to do with, with anything other than I am resisting what God wants to do in my life. So when she humbled herself and called on God to rescue her from her brokenness, she had peace with God. She experienced peace with God. And maybe you're here today, and that's the peace that you need from God. And that's the application for you. It's like, you need to stop fighting with God. And you need to receive the gift that he wants to offer to you, which is his son, Jesus Christ. But then there's also being peace of mind. Um, I have a working theology of how I get peace in, in my mind. So this is my working theology. If it's helpful to you, you can take it. It's confidence that God will work in every situation, regardless of what it is, for his glory 
and my good. Even if the outcome is not what I want, I can still trust in God's goodness. It's security in God's sovereignty over my circumstances. He's not freaking out just because I'm freaking out. It's the assurance that God hears me and it's the contentment that he sees me and that he'll see me through things. So whenever I'm anxious, and usually I'm anxious because I'm trying to control something, I've not prayed about it, I've not given thanks to God about it, I'm trying, I'm trying to control my situation. When I work out this theology of peace, like, God, this is who you are, this is what I believe about you, regardless of my situation. A good picture of this is when the disciples are in the boat with Jesus, and this huge storm comes up. And most of you know that the disciples were fishermen before they started following Jesus. And the Bible says they're freaking out. Now, what type of storm would have to happen for a seasoned veteran a fisherman to be freaking out? And Jesus is sleeping. Now, that's the picture of peace. In the midst of chaos, he's able to sleep. Why? Because Jesus is in control. The disciples are freaking out because they're not in control. And they're fearful of their life. They think they're going to die. And then Jesus gets up and he says, peace. Why? Because he's like, I can create peace in, in your chaotic world. So what I've started doing, there's a book that's a devotional. And if you want to see me afterwards, I can give you the name of it. But there's a devotional. And what I do every day is before I do the devotional, I take two minutes of silence. It's the discipline of silence. I read the devotional, and then I have a discipline of silence after that. So for four minutes every single day, I have silence. So we're going to try this. It's not going to be two minutes. It's going to be 15 seconds. And for some of you, this is going to be the best 15 seconds of your week. And for others of you, this is going to be the worst 15 seconds of your week because you've got so comfortable with the chaos in your life that you don't know how to quiet your mind and your heart to accept peace and rest. And so you're going to struggle with that. So this is what I want you to do. This is how we do it. This is how I do it. I close my eyes. I take a couple of deep breaths. And I just, I think about the peace of God. 15 seconds. When peace is welcomed, when God is welcomed, he brings his peace. And for you, if you struggle with that, and there are days that I struggle. This past week, I struggled with it. I had the fall festival coming up. I'm preaching today. There was so much on my plate that I didn't have peace. Why? Because everything in my life isn't the way that I wanted it in my life. So I didn't have, I didn't have peace. But quieting my mind, quieting my heart, and saying, God, you're in control. And whatever happens at Fall Festival, whatever happens on Sunday, you'll get the glory because you're the one that, that transforms hearts, not me. But it's relinquishing control and saying, I, I want your peace. But it begins with us. The second point is peace around me. So it's peace in me and then peace around me. God has put in our hearts to build bridges of peace with the people around us. And it takes work, and it's a painful process. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says this, never pay back evil for evil. 
So what we do is people hurt us, so we want to cut them off. We want to exclude them. We want to cancel them. We're going to, we're, going to, we're going to hurt them because they hurt us, which doesn't create peace in our life. It creates more chaos. And he says, don't do that. Instead, humbly accept them. So the desire to connect our reconciliation is what peace is about. The wholeness is what it's about. So I can't transform someone's heart, but I can influence someone's heart. And I do that by being a person of peace. But it starts with me, and then I work as an agent of peace. So God has given us steps. And so maybe the application for you today is there's, there's relationships in your life, whether it's with your kids, coworkers, uh, your parents, in-laws, uh, neighbors, that you do not have peace. The relationship is broken. There's no, there's no wholeness. He's given us a process in Matthew chapter 18 to restore peace in that relationship. And this is what it is. It says, if another believer, so he is talking to believers, but I think the same steps and process works for people who are not believers. It says, if, if another believer sins against you, go privately to them and talk to them. Maybe you'll win that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, then take one or two other people and go back to them so that everything that, that is said can be confirmed between the two or three witnesses. If the person is still refusing to listen, take your case to the church. So this is where a spiritual authority would come into their lives and try to mediate. If they won't listen to the church, then treat the person as a pagan or someone who is a tax collector. So this is the process. He says, if you want peace in your relationships, here's the process. Pursue peace. Go try to make whole what is broken. If they're not going to listen to it. So this, this passage in the, in a, in a, Church world is known as church discipline, which doesn't sound peaceful at all. But it is a step of reconciliation, of peace. So you go to the person privately and you address the issue. You don't attack the person, which creates more chaos, but you address the issue. If this is a person that doesn't want peace right now, then he says, be persistent. Take someone else. Take someone that you respect, someone they respect, and talk about the issue. Because the end result is you want peace in this relationship. If they won't listen, bring a pastor, bring an elder, bring, bring someone that has spiritual wisdom that they respect. If the person still will not listen, they said, then you need to set up healthy boundaries so that the person will feel the weight of their chaos. The, this dysfunction that they're, that they're um, presenting in your life so that, not that God punishes them, so that, that they feel the weight of that and they want to restore the relationship. Because the whole goal is restoration. And in restoration is, is peace. So that may be the process that you need. So I, I mentioned this lady that was Muslim and then became Christian. She had peace with God. But guess what happened in her relationships with the rest of her family who were Muslim? There was not peace. Because she, she became a follower of Jesus it actually created more conflict in her relationships. And so now she has to work the process of peace to restore peace. And the world peace says, I only have peace with you if you agree with me. So if that's the case, there are people in the world that you will never have peace with because they have to agree with you on every single issue. Jesus is saying it doesn't have to be that way. You can still have restoration even if there's not 100% consensus. So it's peace in me. It's peace, through, it's peace around me. And then three, it's peace through me. It's not enough to say I have peace with God. I'm right with God. My marriage is good. My kids are good. 
No, there has to be peace through me in areas of my life that have no peace. And for some of us, that's at work. For some of us, that's a neighbor or a a relationship, a family member that has been disconnected. God has given us uh, the work of being a peacemaker. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And all of us have this gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Again, this is this gift of peace. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message. So he's given us a process of peace. He's given us a commission to go out and bring peace. And he's given us a message of peace so that we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent him as peacemakers. So we follow the Prince of Peace as we experience peace in our minds and our hearts, and we bring peace to our world. Where there's division, we must advocate for understanding. Where there's offense, we must absorb it and forgive it and offer grace and and, and peace and show Christ's love to people. Those who work for peace, Matthew says, are the children of God because we are living out his values. You're never more like God than when you're bringing peace to the world because God brought peace to our world. Inner peace, lasting peace. But we also know that working for peace doesn't always result in peace. And Jesus is telling his disciples that. In the next verse, he says this, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing what's right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses us when people mock us and when they persecute us, when they lie about us, and when they do all evil against us. He says, be happy about it. I don't like that part. Be happy about it when people talk bad about you and and they cut you down and they write things on Facebook or whatever. He says, be happy about it. Why? Because your reward awaits you and it's great in heaven. And just remember this. You're not the first to experience this and you're not going to be the last. And he's writing to a Jewish community that would remember all the prophets of the Old Testament, what they went through. They were bringing peace. They were speaking God's peace, and yet they were still persecuted. How do you respond when you're trying to bring peace and restore, and all the person is doing is picking up the bricks that you're building and they're throwing them back at you? Like, you have people like that in your life? Like, you're trying to mend the fence, and they just keep tearing it down. They don't want peace. What do you do in that situation? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, do everything that you can to live at peace with them. Do everything that you can to live at peace with them. And for some people, because they're not a person of peace and they don't want peace, they're going to make it very difficult for you to have peace with them. And the best that you might be able to have is just peace of mind that you've done everything you can to make the relationship whole. And so you might have to create boundaries and proper expectations of this relationship. That's the best peace that you can have, praying that God will soften their heart, that they'll repent and reconcile with you. But there is a limit. There's a limit to your peace. What can you do? Is there anything else that you can do in that relationship? Is there anything else that you can do to restore that relationship? If not, be at peace that you've done everything that you can. 
But Jesus in the scriptures tells us that we're going to experience this as well. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul's writing here and he says, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life, who wants to follow this kingdom, you will experience persecution. There will be people because of the way that you live and the peace that you're trying to offer, they're gonna push back on it. Because the peace that you're living is, is different than the peace that they're living. And they don't understand your peace. Jesus says, the peace that I give is beyond our understanding. Like, how can you have stage four cancer knowing that you might die before the first of the year and still have peace in your mind and in your heart? Like, how do you explain that? How do you, how do you wrap your mind around that? That's only a peace that God offers. The world doesn't offer that. But yet Chris has that because he has peace with God. I love how Jesus ends his sermon. So the Beatitudes are part of Jesus' message and part of his sermon. And this is how he concludes his sermon in Matthew chapter 7, and starting in verse number 24. He says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows them is a wise person. It's like a person who builds their house on a solid rock. Though the rains come, the rains represent the storms, the chaos, the noise, the dysfunction. Though it comes and the floods rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on a solid foundation. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey them is like a foolish person. He's going to build their house, same type of house, on sand rather than Jesus. Same winds, same floods, same storms come into their life, but they experience a different result. Their result is their world falls apart. You can have peace. And peace isn't like God's healing you. God's, God's miraculously making you wealthy. That all the relationships are restored. That's not what peace is. That's the world's peace. God's peace is in the midst of chaos. The chaos that you should not be comfortable with. God brings peace to help you through the storm. The storms are going to come. Like you, you're, you're not exempt from storms just because you're following Jesus. Jesus actually says there's probably going to be more storms in your life. But the theology of peace is that he sees it, he understands it, and he goes with it. He goes with you through it. That verse, these verses have been lived out for thousands of years. Stephen was the very first martyr in the Bible, in the book of Acts. And while he's being stoned for believing and following Jesus, he prays for the people who are doing the stoning. Like, it's hard to wrap, map, wrap my mind around that. Polycarp was a bishop in the second century. When, he's, when he was being tortured, he said, for 86 years, I have served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? Maximilian Colby said this. He's a Catholic priest who volunteered to die in someone's place in one of the concentrations camp. He said he led prayer and singing amidst this horrendous suffering. Like he's being tortured and the inward peace allows him to be able to sing praises to God. Jim Elliott was an American missionary going to a tribe that was isolated in Ecuador was murdered because he was bringing the, the gospel, the peace. And he says this in his memoirs. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain peace, which he'll never lose. Maybe you're here today and what you need to do is re-examine where you find peace. 
You're chasing a peace that's temporary because you're hoping that your finances are still there. You're hoping that your health is still there. You're hoping that the relationship is restored. And when it's not, you lose all peace. A dog comes up on your blanket and shakes off and you lose your peace. That lets you know that you're looking and you're trusting in peace that's not of God. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. Maybe you're the person that's here today and you do not have peace with God. Like right now, you're an active resistance against what he wants to do in your life. And that uneasiness is not a punishment from God. That uneasiness is so that God can get your attention because he wants to give you something that you're resisting. And once you accept it and you welcome it into your life, you experience peace that cannot be explained, that the world does not understand. It may not change other relationships. It may not change your your health situation. It it may not change your, your work situation. But through the midst of those things, you have a peace that everyone else is wondering why you're not freaking out. Maybe you're here today and it really is that you don't have peace with someone else and you need to work the process of going through peace with them, going to them, trying to store, trying to to amend that relationship. Whichever it is, I'm going to ask you to ask God to give you the ability to work for peace because he's called you to be an agent of peace. But it first begins with you being a person of peace. God, thank you for Jesus Christ who gives us the ability when we accept his peace to be able to bring peace and wholeness and completeness to our relationships and in our world. And God, this is a peace that others don't understand. And at times, we can't even explain. But God, I'm grateful that I experienced this peace when I relinquish control and when I get uncomfortable with the chaos and I become comfortable with resting in your goodness. God, even if my circumstances or situations do not change, God, you are still a good God. Help us to work for peace, even in the midst of conflict. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.